Hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? Hi, Ryan. I'm good. Good to talk to you today. It is good to talk to you today. And today, we are talking about a subject which you have written on quite extensively, uh, the cinema of Christopher Nolan, specifically his recent film, Tenet. Which I have not written on. You have not written on. So that's so we've, um, and I, I think we, we know, um, I think you might have said this on a, on, a, on a previous podcast, but I think the only other film you have of his you haven't written on is um, uh, Dunkirk, which Dunkirk. you that's think right. is, uh, is, is Trash Kirk. I think it's I, probably. I think it's not so good. I was going <laughs> to, I was going to, you know, they, uh, Texas like asked me to re, to think about making a new edition for my Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan book. And I was going to make, the chapter on Dunkirk one sentence long and just say Dunkirk is not a Christopher Nolan film and then just have that be have uh, that be it. But uh, Tenet is a Christopher Nolan film. Tenet is, and you know what? And, at and some someone point has asked me to write a little essay on it. So well, come up with some go. good ideas. I'll just take them all and put them just in take my them essay. all. Yeah, yeah, good. Please, that's that's no what I credit. want. No credit, and yeah, that's that's how that's how I like it. That's how I like this relationship you and I have to work. So that's so that's good. Um, the the although uh, at some point in this conversation, I am going to st- try to slightly redeem Dunkirk in our conversation here. I think I'm probably wrong about it. I only saw it once, and um, it was it was in a I was on the end seat in a one of those uh, IMAX theaters that curves. You know? um, so I ha- I had a very bad angle on the whole film, and it was it was it seemed weirdly. Everything seemed <laughs> at an angle and 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 curved. So I I, I don't so, know. So so you want to go on record and say that looking awry didn't help you? It did not. Help. And usually it does. You know, I'm one of these people that I watch every movie from this. I like to sit on the side, not straight ahead. Mm-hmm. And I like that side angle. But but in this case, it did not help. And in fact, Theo, one of my twin boys, had to leave the. It made him so sick that he had to get up and. And leave the, the cinema. Yeah, I. You know what? I feel him on that. That, that yeah. I, I could. Ugh, that's a bummer. Well, um, I don't. I don't know that your take would vastly change, but I mean, but I will try to try to get into some things. But this. So this film. Uh, this is recent. Um, it's. Uh, I guess I don't know. Is some controversy a little bit? I, I guess because uh, no one was really insistent that it be released in theaters, which um, has. Uh, come off as very insensitive to the global pandemic uh, right. situation. And I think it's funny the way that he has talked about it has not helped uh, because it's, it's, he, um, it seems as though his take is, um, I don't know, theater Uber Alice is the, the <laughs> sort of the thing. And, and like, like damn the peasantry that might get sick from right. it. But I, right. but, and then it's really, it's just, it's really funny. It's one of these things that, Denis Villeneuve has said something very similar about his film Dune being released to straight to streaming services and not like holding back and waiting for theater. And I think everyone has kind of like seen his position on it because it's like, uh, I think the, the difference in the two statements is that his is more about like, um, corporations taking, um, content, to just like fill up hours on streaming devices and actually not caring about like the art of the cinema in general. And he, he's, he's a lot more articulate on this. I think Nolan Nolan. on this, he shoots from the hip a little bit on this and it comes off as, as very, very selfish and, uh, and, and again, insensitive to the pandemic. I don't know if you, if you have a take on that. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that's. I think I, th- I think you're right about that. I saw it actually in a drive-in. So, oh yeah, because right. we wouldn't go to the theater, and I don't even think it was playing here in a theater. And mm-hmm. and it really is possibly. I had a great time seeing it. It's possibly the worst film to see in a drive-in <laughs> because you're you're subjected to your car speakers of your mm-hmm. radio, which are not really that great. So I basically got about an eighth of the dialogue. As I was watching it, and what's funny is we took two cars so we could everybody could you know have a front row seat, and mm-hmm. and the boys went in their own car, and I got back in their car afterward. And it was the it was like a tornado. It hit their car. There was popcorn everywhere. <laughs> soda spilled over the steering wheel. So my hands were stuck to it when I tried to drive home. And and but I have to say they probably that was the way to watch the film because yeah. there was just no way to get make sense of it when you couldn't hear anything. But your your thinking is that that's actually Nolan's fault. That that's one of the problems with the film. Yeah. So I mean, he's okay. Yeah. So this we'll we'll get we'll I think starting with um so, so the film hasn't been received super well, and I think and and I I want to begin this whole thing in in this structure of a of a, of an anecdote. Uh, there was one time I was in I, I may have said this on the podcast before, but I was in a class of yours, and somebody asked you about David Lynch's uh, Inland Empire, and you. Do you remember your response? I uh, know I don't. No. You said it's either his best film or his worst film. Okay. Yeah. And I heard you say that and and I said and I said, is that even a statement? And it made like some people in the classroom laugh. You did not pay attention to the thing that I said. You just continue with the lesson. Okay. And um which I thought I thought my I think my response is kind of funny to that. But I, it's so now I saw this movie cuz and um you said to me that you wanted to maybe talk about this like you think it's worth like working through on the on the show. And I watched it and as I'm watching it I was like this is either his best film or his worst film. Right. <laughs> and I was right. like I'm I'm like suddenly I'm like okay. Todd is val- uh, valid for for thinking that structure of that Lynch film. But now you're pretty sure that Inland Empire is his worst film. I don't Lynch. think there's any more debate about that. But I, I actually <laughs> think there is an argument. I think you're right about this film because I think yeah. there's an argument that it's his best or at least his paradigmatic. Right? Yes. I think you yeah. probably want to claim it's his paradigmatic. But I yes. think I, I think do. it should get a lot more credit than it gets. And I wonder if it's the, the sound and the difficulty of hearing what people are saying and thus really knowing what's at stake. Yes. It's really hard to know what's at stake the first time you see it. And mm-hmm. when you see it a second time, you're like, "Wow, okay, that really makes a lot of sense." Because you can, you you hear better, I think, because you're you know kind of what's going on. You know what to hear for. You know what to it's hear like, for. Correct. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's an interesting as we we're playing playing this episode. It's an interesting challenge to me on the on the mishearing because I don't support him doing this like at right. all. I don't think it helps the cinema. I I mean, he clearly does, but I don't think. Like he's not going to win any sound design awards. I know that he said this before. I think um, I, if you listen to the uh, way way back, I think like our eighth episode we did with Hugh Mannon and we we, we about um, Last Jedi. Uh, it was something like this, and 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 I said something like really quickly about um, uh, like defending like like Nolan on like you know he's trying to do with sound design like how you could like blur or distort an image. So he's trying to do with sound like a kind of distortion that um, that normally happens with the image. And Hugh really quickly said, and he'll have to be wrong about that. And I, and, and I'm way, I'm, I'm well on that side right now. Yeah. And for, for this yeah. reason, um, it's not just that it makes it hard to hear. And it's kind of like an antagonistic viewing experience. That's like, I don't know. That's fine. It's that the, the problem is 
The problem is that what's being said is actually important. Because if what was being said wasn't important, then it's fine. Then it's at the level of trying to create productive mishearings where you're actually engaging desire at the level of the spectator and you're making them come up with like what people must be talking about and what they must be saying. And you're, you're trying to put these things together. But the problem is it's actually very important what people say. And so the whole effect of him making it hard to hear what people are even going on about is it just, it, in, it installs him as master. So it's not, and, and this is the same critique that I think we've leveled at uh, Lacan for the math themes. It's not that I don't find them helpful because I don't, understand them it's like in or like i don't think he should use math to explain like psychoanalytic concepts it's that like what he says is the point of this is to hystericize students and to and to put psychoanalysis like outside of me to make it more like this more like objective thing but all it does because it's inscrutable is it further ensconces lacan in the position of master and i think nolan is guilty of exactly the same thing with the sound thing and i wish he would stop like, like, yeah, I agree. Like, yeah, I agree with that. I think that's right. And I think this film, it's like the, it's like the no plus ultra of that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I yeah. don't know that you could go further. Um, and, and, and yeah, I think Hugh's right to say that he's wrong about it. And I think that he, he, and, and your point is so good that if the, if, if what was being disguised didn't matter and it was really the sound or something, yes. you know, the, 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 the way in which the sound worked or something mm-hmm. about the voice as an object and not what's being said, then I think it's fine. And in fact, mm-hmm. I, I would be even for it. But I think you're right. Like the whole film, it's so it's so carefully plotted and, and, yeah. and so much of what it's saying, I think, depends on its plot, and, and which we'll get to. And I think mm-hmm. that that's... So I think to, to, to cover that over... Or, and this is, I think, the other thing, that, which is maybe equally annoying, or to demand that people see it a second time, which I yeah, think is what yeah, he, yeah. he would say. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think that's, I guess to me, I, I think that further supports your point that he wants to be taken as a master who you have to come mm-hmm. at the yeah, master, worship times. at the master's feet numerous times to get yeah. the, 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 the great the great idea that the master's communicating. So, I mean, I, I agree that you have to see it twice, but look, don't you think that, like some of the great, like let's just take some of the greatest films ever made. Citizen Kane, Last Year at Marion Bad. In fact, I think in many ways this film is is, is somewhat of a remake of Last Year at Marion Bad. Mm-hmm. I say that as I, I think it's one of the greatest films ever made, and I think it's it's doing the same. It's I, I, the idea of it is kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that film, you can you can at least get what's happening the first yeah. time you watch it, and then mm-hmm. to really understand it, you have to watch it another ten times. But that's a different thing. I think for I think yes. in this film, yeah. even to even to get what's happening, you have to see it a second time, and that's problematic. It is because it's literally pretentious. It's like like at the literal level, like what pretentious means is like right. There's this pretense. This is worth seeing twice before you've even seen it once. Right. And I and I think there's a problem with him. It's really interesting. Or he as a f- figure now is a little bit bigger than the the text than his text and i so i think like i mean you'll see this in the reviews like and to be clear like i really like this i really like this movie uh it, it's i i'm i'm i had that i had your inland empire like moment as i was watching the film and i'm more much more on the side of of it being his best film than it being his worst film but the critical response has not been great and i think part of it is like him as a as a figure 
Um, and it's, it's, and you'll, you'll see this, um, people who like popular film critics who would ordinarily not mention the director that much in their, their film reviews. It's just, it's, it's all about Nolan with this movie. And so I think he's in a position where whenever he makes anything, it's a, either a, a, a referendum on him or it's like a validation of him. And that's how people take it. Um, and I think that's, that's a really hard place to be as a director. I think, I don't know, like Cameron is probably there. I think Sofia Coppola is probably there. Like at a certain point of being a director, like that happens. And I think he invites it in a way um, that when you make a movie that's just hard to understand, it just seems antagonistic and like, and people kind of like reject it. And I think that if what he really cares about because and this is this I, I think is is on the screen. If what he cares about is pushing like film art, then I, he's I, he's got to drop one of these things. The, and I think it's got to be the sound thing because it, it's not it's not helping it's not helping the reception of his films. It's not helping it, them being being watched. I don't think. And it's not um, helping him for a good reason. I mean, there's no good reason why it's there, right? Like yeah, I, I don't. No. You can't tell me what the thematic point of our misunderstanding is. I don't. I just don't yeah. think it it has one. And I don't think it relates because I think you would have to make it some kind of relationship to time, right? That you only, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess this is what it would be, that you only, the second time you understand things, which he's he's trying to say, this is how all our experience is structured, yeah. right? Like you have this first experience and you don't understand, and then you have a sub- subsequent experience yeah. when you do. But that's not actually right. And I think actually the film <laughs> is not saying that. No, The agreed. film is saying, yeah. first you have an experience and you make sense of it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then subsequently you have another experience causing you to reinterpret and thereby change that past experience. But it, it still happened and was intelligible to yeah. you when you experience it. And I think that's what he's not indicating with the sound design. So it's an yeah. interesting way in which I think he misunderstands <laughs> the idea that he's attempting to evoke in the film. Yeah, I mean, I think that's... I, I agree completely. And it's it's one of those things where I don't even know... I, I don't know, if it was something else with someone else, I might say like, well, but it's inextricable. Like, you can't have the good without this. I think you can absolutely have the 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 richness that is you know in in his you know in, in something like the prestige with also knowing what that what people are saying all the time right like you can right. like that's right the prestige like I think that's 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 the proof that he's not onto something is like is Memento a better film if you don't know what Leonard Shelby's saying half the time no like, it's no. worse it's worse it's much worse <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like like you just do that with anything like is I don't know is um is Insomnia a better film if you don't know what Pacino's saying like, I mean, I kind of don't know what Pacino's saying sometimes, but like, right. just that's because right. where he's at. Um, but like, you know, it, it's it, the only one I would say that about is not a film by him. It's like Forrest Gump would be a better film if he didn't <laughs> oh my know God. What, what Tom Hanks was saying. You know, uh, I love I love the casual hits that come up on this film and Robert Zemeckis all the time. That's oh God, I love it. That's really funny. Sorry. So, sorry. No, no, it's very good. Um uh, so yeah, so so, the, so let's let's stop attacking him because we both really liked it, right? We both like, really that's liked like, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to, I, I just wanted to like to engage like we're we're like we're the um the like the perception is on this film, and I think like like here like and so here's a critique that I'm going to just bring. This is a popular one um, that you'll see in a lot of reviews and a lot of places, and this I think is the point where uh, I want to push back and maybe begin our um, engagement with the film. Um, so. 
because again, this isn't a review. We don't, we don't do that when we talk about movies. Um, but I mean, I suppose some of this has been so far, but one of the things that gets, um, criticized is that there aren't really characters and the protagonist is literally called the protagonist and he's not really a character and it's hard to, um, get into the movie because no one doesn't let him be a character or like I've seen this in a number of places. And this is one of those things where I'm like, "Mm, it's really important, like critically important that you don't look for the thing that's not there and wish he did something didn't, but really, really look at like, what is there? Like, why is this guy called the protagonist? Because it's super important. It's, um, the this character it's is it John David Washington that's the name of the, yeah, the, the actor name. yeah um is function and it's really really important why he's function so the villain in this movie satyr played by Kenneth Branagh uh because all the best british actors have to be like a russian or german bad guy you know like <laughs> right. um uh, alan rickman being hans gruber and right. uh you know etc like just like all down the line um he comes from a place that's not on the map. Stalsk 12, which is the site of, um, in the, uh, is this, is this true or is this like in the fiction? I, of the I film? think it's not true actually okay. that it's just made up in the filmic universe, but I don't know that for a fact. I tried to research it slightly, but I, I couldn't find any. So I think it so, is made up. Okay. So it's this like the, uh, a site of nuclear testing, right? Like, uh, for in, in, uh, Soviet Like a closed city, I think they call it. Yeah, that's the phrase. Yes, exactly right. And so we have a villain. So this theoretically is what's happening in the film. You have a villain who comes from void. That's, that's Seder is his name. He comes from a void, a place which does not exist. And he can, I think the part of the argument of the film is that he can only be stopped by, uh, a character that has no past. Like this comes up a lot. Like when people try to investigate this, uh, the, the, the protagonist, John David Washington's character, um, they don't find anything. And, and, and that's again, at the theoretical level, really, really, really important. Um, there's this like, because there's an equivalence there. It's a, it's a little bit better. I think twist on one of uh, your favorite recent films, Jack Reacher, which has, um. Uh. Oh God. Who is the uh, the who plays the bad guy? He's just super famous. Um. That's oh, I've totally blanked on it. So. Um, oh my God! It's Herzog. Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. Yeah. Werner Herzog. Who yeah. has no name? Right. And and so like the only person who can catch the this nameless villain is Jack Reacher. So because he, he's it's like two ways. He has of no symbolic identity at all. Right. Exactly. Like, that's so the it's two. Exactly. And so, but the problem there and that this, this, I think film gets out of is the issue of the law, which is not a thing in this movie. Um, it's not because, right. because right. Jack Reacher is outside the law and right. that's like, he needs to be the exception to catch another exception. Right. And that's not the dynamic, um, at all. That's no, in, but um, I think you're really, it's important that the first thing that we see the protagonist that we see happen to him is that he undergoes this symbolic yes, this, death, right? I think that's yeah. vitally important. From working I, for the law, for the right, CIA. Right, right, yeah. right. And he's working mm-hmm. for the law. Or but but it's he he seems to be working for the law. And I think we should accept that he is, but he gives himself the law. That's the other thing yeah. that's kind of yes. interesting about this film versus Reacher, who is, as you say, is not he he explicitly refuses to work with the law, right? Like that's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's a key thing, I think. But here 
he gives him he he does introduce the law, but he's giving it to himself in the guise of having it given to him, right? Like mm-hmm, that's what, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. I think was one of the cute little dimensions of it that that he gets the assignment from someone else, but it's he's we learn later that he's or we learn I guess at the end only that he's really given the assignment to himself. Yeah. So that's, so, yeah. Yeah. So that I think that's a key thing because. You know, there's it suggests a kind of Kantian morality, actually, that it's that you know, like he's he's self defining, he defines his own limits, right? Like he doesn't accept yeah. them heteronymously, he he makes them, he acts autonomously, he gives the law to himself, which is, I, I think, exactly how Kant views morality. So, I, I thought that was pretty, I thought I really liked that aspect of it, yeah. Well, I mean, this character, like the one after, so there's um. And we're not going to go. <laughs> we're not going to go blow by blow on the on the plot. Although I imagine mm-hmm. people who've seen the movie maybe wish that we would to to, to bring them through because it's hard. Um, but I to make this accessible for people who I mean, and like I, if it needs to be said at this point, I mean like spoiler major, alert. spoilers. Yeah, yeah. yeah may, like I mean we're going to talk about the whole film, um, it, which is worth watching. But I mean because it demands you see it twice. I think. I don't know. I wonder. Maybe one could listen to this first and then see the movie. I I, I don't know. Um, um, but I would see the movie first. I think. Well, because we're going to give away the main idea. I think so. That yeah. that is true. So that and that's the thing that I think you don't get when you first see it, which that's is true. very strange. Don't you think yeah. that you don't get? You watch the film the first time unless you're very observant, and you don't get the the basic fundamental thing, the wager. Mm-hmm. Of the criminals, of the villains, right? Like, yeah, like that's really, I mean, and even some of the commentaries on the film, some of the reviews are they don't they don't get what the what the whole gambit is, and it's not their fault. It no, really no, isn't. No, no. Yeah, no, <laughs> like no, yeah, I know, yeah. but it's just it's shocking, really, right? Like you yeah. you you would think like okay, like okay. Dark Knight Rises, they're trying to you know re- destroy Gotham or whatever. You mm-hmm. know, like there's some gambit. That you can and you can, but here it's not clear. No, it's not. And like this is a thing. Like people, like I, like some some of the review reviews are like it's really hard to understand what's going on, but it's actually very simplistic and there's nothing to the film. That's like I think like that's like a pretty common right. take on this. Right. And it's actually like like th- this this kind of simplifying, which you do have to do to make sense. Like just in a broad structure, you've got an organization in the present named Tenet, which is trying to stop this uh, other villain. Uh, name this other that's really funny like they're both I just uh, made them both villains but so anyway um trying to stop this guy played by Kenneth Branagh in the present his name's Sater um who is being used working with this future organization to essentially destroy the past for reasons that we're going to delay talking about because it's like kind of the whole film and so what you'll see if you look at this is that like it's a time bending kind of movie where you've got one people, uh, one one group of people trying to stop another group from like destroying the 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 world, and that that seems like it's a, like a James Bond plot, right? Because like it's always except for one, except for the worst movie. <laughs> uh, we're we're gonna do a Bond episode at some point, but except for like probably the worst Bond movie, which is the Man with the Golden Gun, uh, the Every villain, but that film has a better idea and I wish it would be remade. Every villain wants to destroy the world or something, right. like, like in, right. in a Bond movie. That's right. just like, that's what they're doing. Right. And it's, 
it, it's easy to reduce what's happening in this film to that kind of thing is that because it, you just have to make sense of it and Nolan doesn't help because of sound and the way that the plot works and that certain moments in the film are done in reverse and you see them one way and then you see them again. And this is like a whole thing with reverse entropy and inverted uh, material in our world. That's like a whole thing with this movie. Very important. But um, yeah, you've got people who want to destroy the world and they're using this inversion technology from the future, from an unspecified date in many, many years, I think hundreds of years even in the future, are using this guy in the present who comes from uh, nowhere uh, a void in Soviet Russia to um, wreak this like vengeance on the on the present, right? And it's not the first time you see it is not really completely clear why, and it actually only gets revealed partially at the end of the movie, and the um, the motivation is um, very much. Um, Cli-fi, as not enough people say, as a climate fiction. Like this is very right, much a right. cli-fi film. It very like, much is, right? Yeah, like Interstellar, but it it's muted. Like you don't see it that way at first. Right. So the maybe make just makes sense to get like the motivation of the of the villain now. Like, like yeah, 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 yeah. So the the literal villain Sater has pancreatic cancer and he's going to die. So this is why he's doing he's doing these things. He's going to die, and the organization. Um, that's helping him, uh, they have seen what hundreds of years from 2020 to wh- whatever their point in the, in the future I don't think is. it's hundreds of years. You don't I think, think it's within the century, but the, okay. maybe, I don't know. It's not just, clear. It's not, it's not clear. clear. It's yeah. unspecified. Some places I've seen it said hundreds of years, but then that conflicts with like, you know, the thing that I said to you that I think the this is like, this is a very deep cut to say right now. Like the, the scientist that creates the algorithm, I think is the scientist he meets in the beginning. Right. I think that, I think there's, I think that probably is true. Yeah. So then it would probably only like 40, 50 years in the future or whatever, but whatever it is, just at some point in the future, there's a group that has technology that can invert material, can invert time. You can go back in time. Uh, you can be inverted for 10 minutes, uh, only, which I'm, I'm not sure is like a universal rule or if it's like, uh, Hitchcock's rope, where that's just the technology they had. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you can right, only go back right. in ten. So anyway, um, for because you have ten minutes of oxygen, and because everything's inverted, like breathing oxygen kills you. That kind of thing. Um, so this group has a climate motivation that the world is unlivable, and this is something that Kenneth Branagh's character says at the end of the film, which is that they've seen rivers dry up and the oceans rise. Right. And what. There, what the gambit is, is it, it seems as though the first time you see the movie as it's like a petulant, impunitive thing that is a total like Oedipal story, like right. a complete, we're going to kill the father. We have this technology. We've created this thing called the algorithm, which is as an abstract idea, although I really like it because I think if there was a media villain right now, I think it it's, is the algorithm. It is yeah. the algorithm. Yeah. 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 And it's and it's not specific at all. I don't think people understand it. I, I like in general, it's just like oh, the algorithm. Google uses the algorithm. Oh, Netflix right. and the algorithm. And, and, and I don't think anyone knows what they're talking about right. when they right. when they're like ha- express this like paranoia over it. Or very, few, or I should say, very few. There are experts, of course, but anyway. Um, so, but this is why that that's that's the other part. So there's this device that's called the algorithm that can uh, destroy time. To put it that way, I mean, I think it's even put that way in the film, and. The, the woman, the scientist who created it, 
understands this and is a bit of an Oppenheimer project thing, like realizes the destructive thing that she's created, and she kills herself, but before doing that, she scatters the bits of the algorithm in the past so that it cannot be found. Now, Seder and this organization in the future, this is before the film starts, have found eight of these nine bits, and where the film begins at this, like, heist at an opera house is to get the ninth bit of the algorithm. And so what their gambit is, is to use this device to destroy the past while maintaining the future. Right. That's the right. entire gambit. Right. And it you seems when you first watch it, it seems like they just want to blow everything. They want to kill yes. the past and yes. then killing themselves too. Yes. But the idea is... I because think the world's that, unlivable. And right. then like The idea yeah. is that, though, I think that their, their gamble is that if they reverse time in the past, then people won't have, which will stop the evolution of the people living then, mm-hmm. then they won't be able to engage in any further destructive behaviors toward the earth. So it's, a, mm-hmm. it's really just an attempt to sacrifice the past to save the present, which is the future, right? Which is like the future, that, yeah. 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 Yeah, and so this is one of the things that this film engages with, and, I, and this is why I think it's paradigmatic, um, it engages with the idea of the grandfather uh, paradox. Like, you know, can you, which uh, I love, j- joke, we, your slip earlier, the Godfather paradox the Godfather when we were paradox. playing, is really funny. He went back in time and became his own Godfather. Anyway, right, I just think right. it's really a funny idea. Right. Um, but so this is the, this is what um, some of the characters end up talking about. Like, like, it, like time is in, is inverted uh, at, at portions in the film and like in, in really, really cool ways. They're like, like in an audio way that sounds like the movie was made. Uh, out of because of uh, the Beatles tomorrow never knows and stuff like this or and then there are also like fight sequences that that are that are shown in one way and then in another way and and, right. and like it, it's it's um it's I think very clever and there's something very interesting happening with the film image in this inversion that that I think Nolan's doing and it's all it's all it's I, I think it's it's very interesting and just you should be able to hear it that'll be my last comment on that but um so the film keeps going back and forth on this, which is like, can this is like kind of like one of the philosophical questions it treats is that like, can you have the future without the past? Like, are like, are, do is there this linearity, or does the presence of inverting material and sending it back into the past um, not prove that you can have the future without having the past? That it, it's just this uh, that 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 time that time is this. Um, and I, I think this is kind of your point. Is this dimension of of otherness that we you linearity need not apply? And I right, think this is right. some, yeah yeah. Do you want to and and, that, and yeah. I think one of the isn't this one of the great things about the film that it links time travel to entropy and does the entropy that objects and people have and not to some time is not this vast thing that encompasses everything. Time is mm-hmm. instead local. And I mm. think that's a really, I mean, that's true in Interstellar too, right? Like his, yeah. the whole, when he gets near the black hole, we see the, that time is local because it extends or it compresses, right? So mm-hmm. so I think that's really good. And I think that that, that then allows the, for this idea that if you could, like this, these local times we're going to eliminate, but mm-hmm. then that will eliminate our local temporality right like we'll still have that with us going we'll our entropy will still be going forward after we've eliminated but they won't have had the chance to do 
the damage to the earth that they were going to do. So I, I think that that, I kind of like the way that, I mean, I really like the way that works out. I think that's really just as a conceit and as a, as a way to think of like an extreme climate group. I joke to you that, that Greta Thunberg was the, was the was villain the of this villain, film, yeah. right? And I, I think it's, I mean, to think about Nolan's politics in this film, I think it's a little interesting, right? Like it's not, yeah. like if that's true, if there's this extreme climate group, and maybe it's not even extreme, but by the, maybe it's just that's the, that's the only political choice they have because the mm-hmm. situation's become so dire. Uh, and I, but nonetheless, Nolan's against it, right? Like he's, he's yeah. saying, he's saying, you know, that like destroying the past is never the right answer. And I think that ties into his Batman doesn't kill anyone to save anyone, right? Like there's no, right. there's never the cost of one life for him is already too many for no matter how many it saves. And I think that puts yeah. him at odds with a certain leftist project, I think. And, and you know, Well, like, yeah, but yeah. He, but he's, what he's done, he's taken a piece out of the, out of the equation that I think is, interesting crucial, like right it's crucial right. it, it works for the fiction but i think politically it's a little suspect um that it's clear that the, like so greta thunberg and like you know the green new deal um there's no part of it that's like in our world that's like um yeah we we're gonna have to kill a lot of people to 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 to, to do these things like it, it's quite it's like it's obviously very much like working in the opposite direction, which is like, look, if we continue to go in this direction, there people will be sacrificial lambs for the, like uh, ex- the expansion of capital and just like the, the development of technology. And right, like, but, but Ryan, yeah. she does say her famous line is how dare you, right? Like she does. Yeah. It's not like, Oh, let's just turn it around. Like she does point out culpability and she does say, like Rilke, you have to change your life, right? Like she, she yeah, she's not saying you have to not, die, but, but she's no, saying you, yeah. your your way of living has to die. And I think there are a lot of people. I'm not one of them, but there are a lot of people <laughs> that would say, "You take away my SUV, yeah. you might as well take away my life." Right? Well, like, it's pretty clear that people think that way because they won't even put on a mask. Uh, so, like, yeah, right, I mean, of, right. of, of course, but I I think where that piece gets removed and then sort of like. Like the, the 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 situation for the argument in the film is clearly that like um, there there's no longer like like reform I guess to to choose a word that might be like is not possible in the future. The only thing that that can save the future is this violent break with the past. And I think so. Then th- why in- why would you be against it? That's exactly the point, Todd. That is exactly the point. Why would you be against it? And I think this is why. So this is the only reason I can come up with is why you can't hear the movie is because I think Nolan, if he is on the side, because it's clear that he's on the side of not doing that because his heroes are preventing this group from doing this. So the thing. So but he ends up he ends up subverting himself because. He's clear, like on the one, like uh, like the film is clearly on the side of you can absolve, like you can resolve the grandfather paradox because the main character who becomes a part of the tenant organization in the beginning, it turns out he founds it, but it just right. it hadn't happened to him yet in the like l- like the see. linear. Well, because yeah, we're like, following him going forward in time, so he, right. it hasn't yet happened. Yet. It hasn't yet happened to him, but he. So the film does endorse this. Um, 
the like that yeah yeah you can have that that the grandfather paradox is completely consistent with time so i i think it it does so i think it 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 actually agrees with the like the philosophy of what this group in the future is doing and and so that's one thing but i think that he hides their motivations because i think it's really it's more compelling than what the heroes are doing because like what what the what the heroes and what the protagonist is doing is kind of keeping things as they are right right they're conservatives yeah yeah the protagonist is a conservative right like that is that is just undeniable because it's not like he's saying okay let's stop the world from being destroyed in the Mm -hmm. past or now in order to we're going to really make it make some change happen and so they're not going to have to do that he never says the first word about the climate. You know, he never says like, no. I want to, he doesn't even say, I'm going to make sure I recycle. He doesn't no. say anything, <laughs> right? Like all he's single-minded about stopping the destruction, never trying to stop the thing that causes the destruction to be ordered in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm almost like, I'm almost convinced, even though the protagonist is supposed to be on the side of good and the hero, but like Brana's the only character in the film. And he's a bad guy. He he beats his wife. Like he's he's a right. he's a terrible person. But if you look at how much detail and how much time does a character have to develop as like a point of endorsement from the film, not from the director, right? It's just like what what does the film endorse? I think, and this is I think the thing that I like about the movie is that it really is it's at war with itself. And I think in a productive and interesting way, which is why, like, we, you know, we've been talking about it, like, all week. And, like, you know, I think that this – it gets at things um, theoretically that are, like, really, really interesting. And it does so in a way in film that, like, I don't know. Like, like you you can see – like, this this film is – like, so it's, it's interstellar and then there is a thing he does. Like, so obviously there's a thing he does with time and black holes and, like, four-dimensional – space and time, uh, like bending. And there, there's something really like, I think sweet about this because like the impossible is achieved like really through love. And, and right, like that right. sounds like, you know, maybe stupid and trite, but it's something that like, it gets to me. And I, I, I yeah. like that. What's Hegelian, like I, think. I think actually. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's spirit. Is it not, <laughs> yeah. you know? And then in, in Dunkirk, um, he has the whole film, you're watching it and everything seems to be in concert with everything else. But you've got one timeline that's an hour. I think it's an hour, um, a day, a, a and, day a and a week. Yeah. And that I, I is the way that it's cut. It makes it all seem like it's happening the, the same amount of time. Right. And, and that, so that's like interesting. I don't, the, the, that, I mean, you want to talk about, f- about a film with no characters. I mean, like, Duncan right. There's no characters at all in that, right. At, at all yeah. in that movie. Um, so, I mean, even though Bran is in it, um, by the way, I don't know if you've seen this amazing cut where, you know, that famous line where he says, you can almost see it. And the guy says, what? And he says home. And there's this amazing cut where people have the music lead into a scene from Mamma Mia 2. <laughs> where they're singing "Dancing Queen," and it's like it's absolutely it's it's incredible. It's uh, one of one of my favorite things because you know I I love Mamma Mia. Too, I know but you're a you're a great ABBA lover. I'm a huge adv- advocate yeah. for that and an advocate for ABBA. So um yeah. so yeah so that's so so the two two things from recent Nolan films that he's kind of putting together. But really, like he's been working through this in different ways. The grandfather paradox the entire time, like it's starting with following, which starting is, with following for sure, right? Yeah, right. a character who. 
just to go through it, right? Um, you have a character who um, he's what? He's bored. Uh, yeah, I think he's bored he, and decides to follow people. Just people. Basically. And he comes yeah. up with rules and you're not supposed to follow for too long, never the same person twice. You know, you don't follow them to their to their home. But then he follows a woman and he and and like you're never supposed to meet them, but like he does. And he gets embroiled in this like in this thing. He ends up being um framed for her death, right? right. That's what happens in yeah. the movie. Yeah. And this he doesn't see it until too late. But what, what he doesn't see is that he gave the idea to frame him to this other guy. Right. That's what happens in the movie is that his, like he, he basically, if you want to think about it, it involves a, a bit of a bending of the idea of the grandfather paradox, but I, I don't think that much is he, he gives the idea to catch him <laughs> to someone else. That's and exactly then, right. And he yeah. and he's un he's unknowing of it, and then he's caught and and and, and can't get out. And that's and, and, and in Memento, it's very clear, right? Leonard yes. Shelby's original lie about yes. Teddy is the thing that leads to the event at the very beginning of the film where yes. he shoots Teddy. So he gives himself the clue to solve yes. the crime. So he's created his own his own problem and he's solving it. So it's interesting. And then he solves it at the beginning slash end. So, yeah. And I think this to me though, I think this film steps it up a notch and now I want to talk about what I love and I think is politically really great about it. So I do think Mm -hmm. that there is this political problem, which is of course there in dark Knight rises as well. Right. Where, so he clearly read tale of two cities too many times because he's, he think he fails to think about the way the violence just wasn't all on the Jacobin side. There was plenty mm-hmm. of aristocratic violence and counter anti-revolutionary violence at work as well. But he doesn't see that. He doesn't theorize that in the film. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know, like Bane should be the hero of Dark Knight Rises, right? And yeah. I think and and I think we've talked about who should be the hero of this film. Okay, all that aside, mm-hmm. I, what I love about the film, and I think this is really captured in the time tra- the way time travel is conceived, is that it's the future that changes the past. And I yes. don't know yeah. if there is another film that does that as well or or shows... I mean, I was saying last year at Marion Bad because I think that's mm-hmm. an example of a film that tries to do the same thing. But I think this film really thematizes that idea. And I think it does even see the way in which there's... that That's the heart of politics, right? The heart mm-hmm. of politics is not working in the present to change the future and learning the lessons from the past and applying that to the future. That's the historicist way of thinking about Mm -hmm. politics Mm -hmm. and history, right? Instead, it's the opposite. It's like learning from the future so that we can change the past. And then Mm -hmm. that gives us a different future. And I think that's really, that's the idea encapsulated in the way that time is addressed in this film. And I think that is just phenomenal. Yeah. And I think this is why this is why um, the protagonist, and that's just his name, it's just the protagonist, can be the hero, even though it seems that his uh, his project is one of uh, status quo. Yeah. Is that you can kind of, you, he's the, um, because he's quilting point. That's, that's that, and that, that's what I think is, is staged in the film, like really interestingly. And like, this is Lacan's idea um, that we've talked about before, but just like briefly is that like, um, you, you have something like the, I, I think it probably is a overly simplistic way to say it is like the period at the end of a sentence 
is the thing that makes it a sentence. So it's not like, so in, in English, which is a, you know, a syntactic language, it's not like Latin, right, where the word order doesn't matter. It's like the word order matters a lot, but it's until you get to the end, right? Like, so so we're more, m- most, I think the, so the orthodox understanding would be like, yes, the word order matters because there's a linear understanding in, in English, in the right. English sentence. Right. And what Lacan or what you would think with the, with the period or the quilting point is that, no, it's not until you get to the end that you can make sense of it from the, from the beginning. So you have to get to some, and, and it's this, it's in this point, he calls it a quilting point. Um, like the, uh, the, the button in an upholstered chair that prevents the batting from coming out. Like it's just like, it's it's, a real thing in quilting actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is it's the same that the English translator, this is one time they did a really good job because the, Point de Capiton, which is the French, that's mm-hmm. the word for the what quilters use in French. That's to, great to make it. So they 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 literally translated what the quilter uses to make the quilt all stay together. So all that inner stuff doesn't squeeze all to one side, right? That's exact. That's exactly right. And so yeah. what it does is it it arrests. I mean, this would be the this would be Lacan's point in language. It arrests the sliding of signification. Right. That's what a quilting exactly. point does. Exactly. And so where you import this into like dialectical thinking and where I think this is like our reading of the protagonist in the, in this film is that like the, the task is not, Oh, we're going to go. It's not, um, it's not obviously back to the future or like a lot of movies, which, or like Terminator, right. Where, which Terminator also stages the future attacking the past, right. Which is that one thing that this, but it's really, the future, this is the, the, the difference is the future causing the present where like in Terminator, it's always like, we need to work to make sure this future doesn't happen. Right. You know? And, um, what is going on with Tenet and what goes on with the, with the protagonist is it's like, as you, you are on the same timeline as him, everything that, that happens to the protagonist is all happening to him for the first time, even though he's set up this organization in the future, he's befriended this guy, Neil and the, implication of the final scene in the in the movie is that he's gone after the film gone back in time and recruited neil and they've had this like this great friendship that for neil is ending but for the protagonist is just starting and it's real it's about again it's how how the future quilts the past and right, so, right. The, as Todd just said, the historicist model is always like, oh, and, and the historicist understanding of that line of Hegel's about like failing to, you know, understand the past means you're, you know, you were doomed to repeat it, right? And and the, you know, first, and then, or Marx versus tragedy, then as far as, is, is well, it all but, is about? Yeah, but, but Hegel is interesting. Like he said, he has this great line. And so the line you're citing in philosophy of history is mm-hmm. that you're, or maybe it's not the line you're citing, but he has this line where he says, we never, people have never learned the lessons of history. Yeah. And then the next line is, and really they can't because you never know every <laughs> historical situation's too particular and you never know what's going to happen. So, so he explicitly rejects that historicist way of thinking about history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that, li- I mean, this is why, this would be my, I suppose it might, might qualify as a positivist reading of the owl of Minerva only takes flight at dusk is that like it, you, you can only, you can only understand the past from some point in the future. But if you do that, not, not like, again, like you reconstruct it and you move forward, but it's like, it's only through, uh, really quilting point like that you, you can, uh, properly, uh, understand 
what happened in in the past. And and like that's I think Tenet, that's what it does as as a whole movie. Right. Is it's right. O- only from it's only from having seen the film that you can understand what happened in the film. Yeah. And I think. A- yeah, I, I think that that's. I, mean, I don't know what do you think of that. Yeah, it's great. I totally, I totally agree, and I think that that's what. I mean, that it's interesting because this is the point at which Hegel and psychoanalysis come together. I think, right? Mm-hmm. Like Hegel's whole, philo- and it's funny because he obviously spoke German and he had the word, but he never he could have had the word, but Freud invents the concept that mm-hmm. really characterizes Hegel's philosophy, and that's Nachtreglichkeit. So, mm-hmm. for Freud's ideas that. And nachtreglichkeit means something like retroactivity, or mm-hmm. in French they translate it as après coup, so after the fact, after mm-hmm. the, after the, the, after it happens. Or, or Andrew Barnaby, this friend of mine, uh, calls it belatedness. Right. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so that that idea of nachtreglichkeit means that you ex- first experience for Freud, you first experience some traumatic event, but you have no way to symbolize the trauma or even understand it as a trauma. Mm-hmm. Then some subsequent event happens, which then makes you repeat the trauma. And it's only through the repetition of the trauma that you even experience the first one as a trauma that you had had. Yep. Right. So mm-hmm. so that so that idea is so so that's exactly what's happening in Tenet, that same structure, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what happens throughout Hegel's philosophy. That it's and that's why the line you so rightly quoted, the owl of Minerva takes flight only with the falling of dusk. That's exactly the same point. It's not that theory is impotent; it only comes afterward. It, it's mm-hmm. no, it's when it comes afterward, it changes the past yeah. and thus creates a different future. And that's and the th- real political. Sorry, that's the oh, real no, political. No, yeah. Uh, weight of theory. Yes. No, no, no. I think that's fantastic. And and that, I think like just uh, two, just two things there um, is that it's the dimension that the idea of revisionist history forecloses. I think like in, in for, for historicists and like a lot of times, like it, it, it's, it's like, it, it gets associated with actual changing. Like it, it gets, it's like alternative facts. So we don't do that, but it's like, but I, I think, the that uh, there is a there's a dimension there where it's like you know everyone understood x happening because of y but we're 10 years after and it really was z we and we and you have to see that and i i think the the historicist dimension like because it for a historicist like that just seems irresponsible right right like because that's not how people understood it at the time so that's that's not how people understood it but or if we change our understanding it's just because we learn new facts and then the causality, it's still, the causality is what it always was. Right. But we've learned subsequently new facts to fill in. And like, I think that's, a. I think you see a lot of that kind of history done today, right? Like mm-hmm. we know new facts now so we can add, make it more complex about the historical causality at work. But that's not right. what but cause never changes. are talking about. No, exactly right. Freud and Hegel are talking about how effect seems to cause cause right exactly. Like, like, exactly. And, and that's and that's the that's the whole that's the whole point like that's that's his point with with trauma is is that like and you know he um it's so i i really i i really i dislike that the a lot of the discourse on the uh, uh freud's unpublished uh, project for scientific psychology is about the abandonment of the seduction theory when really it should be like it should be about like he first he sets up trauma as a series of like 
of like a retroactive series right. where like effect again seems to cause cause like I wish I wish that was the the the, the discourse like uh, that that continued uh, you know not not recently I don't know that people are talking about that but like this was huge in like the sixties right like the um, yes yeah, maybe 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 later that later know, yeah but but I, there was a whole thing I, I think actually not that kind of recently too there was this whole like abandonment of seduction theory Freud betrayed all these people because he was paid by their fathers right like that yeah. was the whole idea and then and then i think you're right missing this which was incredibly wrong um but missing this missing this i think what is the key from the the, the project for scientific psychology that is the discovery really there of noctreglikite which also mm-hmm. gets developed and uh, written in the same year published in the year that the project was written studies on hysteria mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and and that and just that like um yeah, that that understanding of the like, and the way that he he lays it out is the like, again, it's with I think it's her name is Emma Eichert, uh, it, who has these two two different ex- uh, experiences at a grocery uh, store, and it's the later one that seems to activate the one the the trauma, this traumatic one that happened in the past. The, so it's a later anodyne thing, that right? That's actually, the key thing, Ryan. Right, like it. the later yeah. one is anodyne. And mm-hmm. it only is traumatic because of the earlier trauma. But the earlier right. trauma wasn't even present as a trauma until the later anodyne event made exactly. it into a trauma. So, And it, it, I think it's interesting because it does – so many things can be thought this way. Like Badu's theory of the event I think is the same thing, right? Like an event happens and mm-hmm. it's only through the subsequent fidelity to the event that mm-hmm. we constitute the event as an event, right? So that's – I think there's a, there, there's a whole way – and I think it's the right way to think about politics along these lines, which, again, goes against this evolutionary, historical, historicist, developmental idea of history, right? It says, mm-hmm. instead it says, no, history, we're making our history now by, mm-hmm. by creating, by, by, by developing certain effects from those earlier causes. And I think that's, yeah. you know, I think the film is really... Like, again, I think that is where the film is just incredible. And I think it's, I, I don't know that there's a better film at doing that. And one reason is because I like the contrast with Terminator because mm-hmm. he's, he, the way he conceives of time travel is that objects move in time, just, you know, and, and not, mm-hmm. it's not time, it's not this vast, uh, whatever, what would you call it, like a vast web in which we have, we can act. It's not a terrain. Mm-hmm. In which we act instead it's something that's totally local and that allows him to conceive noctreglikite in the way he does yeah no i think and it, it's also like um a, another overturning i think of uh of something like terminator or like or um or back to the future i don't know any, any number of like a uh, time travel uh kind of films is that there there's all there's always this this play of like here's what originally happened and then that's either maintained, but like changed slightly, like, um, or, or it's like we have to stop that from originally happening. And right. what Tenet does, and I like this theoretically a lot, is kind of nothing originally happens. <laughs> you're always right. seeing, you're seeing a, you're you're, you're seeing a, um, like the 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 original. It, it, I mean, this is my my take on the idea of the original uh, is that like. And, and the, I mean, it, it, well, okay, just simply is it's always created an idea of an original is created retroactively. Right. Like, you, you know, um, and so and I think that this 
you're always seeing you, you you're seeing something for the first time, but that doesn't mean you're seeing like the original thing happening. You know, you're seeing you're really seeing like a copy. And I think, you know, th- there's a lot of uh, particularly media theory that is like scandalized by the idea of the copy that we're losing. the. I mean, this is like Bojard's stock and trade is like, we, you know, we, we, we've lose, lost the original. We are, we are in the, um, we're in Plato's cave, you know, like we're not right. like we're, we've completely lost it. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's a very platonic idea, right? We kick out poets from the Republic because they make things, they, they, they miss in representing, they misrepresent. And it's something that like we, 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 we shouldn't have that or, or whatever. Anyway. And I think that this world, this world of tenet, when you see something for the first time, you're you are seeing it. It's the second time, but at at best, uh, it's it's um, there's there's just no like there's no way to say. It's not like there's an original timeline that's subverted. That's not what goes on in this film. It's not like uh, Infinity War or something like that. It's just right, that like right. the play the play of time is this um, like you can only reach a point a quilting point where you understand this, like, uh, this struggle between like future and past. Like that's, and maybe that's what makes like the present. The present is this, like this is like this moment of like fleeting understanding of the, of the collision of these two forces. I yeah, don't know. no, that's really great. It's really great. I think that's really true. And I think the film really is an attempt to explore that, right? Like it mm-hmm. really, I think it really, because it's what it's trying to do is show this. Th- it's trying to give a, a physical reality to mm-hmm. a theoretical process that's mm-hmm. all the time at work, and then yeah. by and then and then explore it theoretically by giving it this physical reality through this moving back in time. And mm-hmm. and the idea is that we do this all the time. We're always moving back in time in this way, even though we're not literally doing it, physically doing it. We are doing it theoretically, psychically. And mm-hmm. the film is going to show that. And the, and I, I love your point about the absence of the original. I mean, that that the original only gets constituted through the repetition of of the event. And it comes back and then makes that original be the original. And I and I think, you know, it's funny because we, we, we started out with the sound. And, mm-hmm. and that is the justification, yeah. I think, in his mind for not hearing exactly what happens. That, that it's only subsequently that you fully make sense of what it is that you've experienced. So, I, th- I mean, you can see yeah. what he's thinking about and why it's not like he's imposed this completely foreign form onto his film that doesn't have anything to do with the content. I think it does emanate out of the content, but for the reasons we said earlier, I think it misunderstands the way the quilting point functions. It'd be as if you and I were going blah, 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 and then <laughs> only at the end we could say, Oh, do you see what we were saying all the time was, uh, you know, Lacan thinks that Hegel isn't as great as he really, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever it, 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 is. it was, right? Like that, and, but that's not how it works. Like, mm-hmm. like instead, it's, you know, like I can say to someone, like, I'm in love with you, but I also hate you, or something, you know, like that, like, and then the end, compl- like you understood the beginning, you understood the words that were coming from my mouth, but mm-hmm. the end completely. Change, it completely altered the way that you had to make sense of those first words. Yeah. Well, it's like, I mean, the conversation would be... Exactly, right. Would be the example. Yeah. You know, yeah. He And that's... It's better. I, it's, it's, it's better. Yeah, it, it's Sorry. tricky. Yeah, it's better. Yeah, it's tricky because um, 
is it changed actually like filmically do we know that coppola like is it the same i think it's changed yeah okay yeah i think it's changed which is great i mean it is it's great and i even if it's not changed you hear it as changed which is even would be greater us yeah if he had the chance all right he'd kill us if he had the chance he'd kill us if he had the chance right? and everything like rests on this distinction, right? Yeah. Right. It, and the, dis- and the distortion over and the distortion on how, how it's being said, right? right like that's, right. um, yeah. And so like, that's like, um, I mean, that's totally, that's to- I mean, for one, you completely justify filmically why you couldn't hear something. Right. Right. Like, right. um, and, and you, and also it was, imp- it was important that both, it was important that you couldn't understand it. And is important when you do. Right. And I think like, that's the, I think that's the thing that, um, yeah, that's just tricky with no, like, because, and also that's just one thing in that movie in, in, in the conversation. Right. And, 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 and it's made into, I mean, that's, you understand that that's the political act. That's that, that the, the protagonist Harry call doesn't think is a political act, but the film is showing you that the, yeah. the way you quilt something is it, it's utterly political and you can't avoid it. And so you're always caught up in, a political struggle, but yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. That's just one thing, and and you and and you're you're un, you're getting to understand it through the the filmic reality, right? So it's not like yeah. it, it it's not like you have to see the film a second time to understand it. It 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 makes clear what's being said mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. when you get to the end of the film. So so yeah, I I think that's not that would be the analogy, and I think that is trying to do in a certain way the same thing, mm-hmm. but it does it. I think it does it better because it doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't fall for this, the, the, the distortion of the voice in the same, in the same way that Nolan and the, the way that he, he thinks that, that, that you need a fun, the first time has to be, you don't understand anything, which is yeah. again, I think that's not really the way it works. No, I, I agree. I also, I have a, this is an unexpected uh, thing I want to throw at you. Does, I was thinking about this, that the film invites the like and talks about the grandfather paradox and i think you know this is one of those points that i think is like really is is what i think is interesting about the film politically because it does seem to be at war with itself because on the one hand it it it, it validates that that you can that the grandfather po- paradox doesn't like destroy time or whatever that you can like you, you that, that actually it's it's a part of time right like time being local um which means that the plan for the um the future climate activists like could actually work it could work um, right yeah um so i'd lo- and and that would be a way that maybe you one could see um uh the death drive in this film where like nolan is subverting himself like it, it like because he he on the one hand wants the film to validate this like uh i don't know a, perhaps a, an incrementalist position right. um and and but ends up i think also uh, endowing the, uh, the 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 opposite side with 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 uh, with the right of it, um, uh, basically or uh, certain certainly morally, which I think which is my argument for why you can't hear things on the film. Right, he's trying to disguise his own political position because he realizes it's not the right political position. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely. Yeah. But but I want to so the grandfather paradox is in the text of the film. But I wanted to throw here's another phrase at you that I wonder if this is helpful for like what he works through. And he does this in, in as like I, as I claimed he does this in all the films. I mean, it's not in the individual Batman ones, but like as a trilogy, like it's like right. you can you can see when he has like the Ra's al Ghul. Uh, uh, hallucination or, or whatever um, in Dark Knight Rises, um, like 
you you can see this like the this trajectory of the um, of the future determining like the past and, and that and anyway it's in the other films but it, uh, what if it's actually what he's working with it comes out as grandfather paradox but what if it is actually the child is the father of the man what do you think about that yeah which of course is invented by the Beach Boys and the song Surfs Up no of course that's, that's I thought it was Wordsworth now <laughs> no it is Word it's Wordsworth yeah of course yeah. Um, <laughs> but. Um, I th- I've been thinking about that as like another way of of thinking it like of of a kind of a a refusal because that's like um like it, like that logic is maybe too linear and it's like yeah. like like would no is is it Nolan cinema is it the father is the child of the man or is that no like, I like the child is the father I think okay. I think that's right right like he I think he's trying to it's an interesting complication on Oedipus complex too though right. Like yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's trying to say that that you actually, I mean, it's really about your your self generate. The subject is self generating, right? Like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the. Mm-hmm. I think that's his. That not, but but what's interesting is not only do you generate yourself, you also generate the very problem that you're gonna. Yeah. That's going to undermine you, actually. So, so there's a way in which you could take that as a kind of meta commentary on his own cinema. It's, like he yeah. <laughs> he generates this uh, films that undermine the political position he would like to take the gradualist. I think I think you rightly call it. Yeah, yeah. Um, political position he wants to take in his films. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Because it is. Um, it's it, it's interesting what what this film does specifically with uh, with with Oedipus complex, I think, cause that's just like a, a, a first, like the first read seems uh, like, as we said earlier, clearly edible, right? Like, like that's clearly. what it is, right. but it is, it is a, it is a complication of it where, uh, like you, I don't know, like, like the, 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 like the condition, like the condition of possibility for mo- like, like you need, you need that antagonism from the future. You know what I mean? Actually this, I think, um, I think this is something that I remember because we did an episode on Oedipus Complex, and this was the thing that I, I we we had some like some nice people so, like send me an email that like that they tried to argue for it as a retroactive thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's um, I don't know maybe like maybe Nolan's ahead of us on that with uh, with with Tenet that like it is this it's this retroactive thing. It's not this. Um, uh, I think we we were when we did that episode where we were, I, this is really the, the, I think the point, the, our bone of contention was that like the seeing it as a, as a forward moving trajectory. Right. 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 Think, yeah. That the past is de- like, like the, I think the traditional way Oedipus is understood is that the past is determinative for all your future relations. Right. Yes. And, and yeah, I, yeah. I, right, right. Yeah. And I think right. that's, that's what, and that's what we push back about and still, yeah, like, because still I think would. you're yeah. right that it does. And I think this film nicely, is a challenge to that idea that the past is determinative because it's like, okay, yes, the past is determinative, but we don't know what our past is going to be yet. Yeah. Yeah, Like we don't know. I was, I was listening to Badu talk about the, about communism. And he said, you know, people talk about how bloody these communist regimes in the 20th century are, but he goes, are they any bloodier than the initial, you know, attempts at capitalism? And so shouldn't Mm -hmm. we say that, that, Okay, these first attempts were fail- bloody failures, but mm-hmm. what if we rethink them as just these first attempts that we're going to get it wrong, but we had to go through that to then later get it right? And so we'll look back on this time of 
the Russian Revolution. It was a horrible time, right? But but it was this necessary time we had to go through. Just like we think, I don't know, don't we think that about the world wars? Like we think that was mm-hmm. a horror, but we we had to go through it to get the kind of society we have now. I don't know. I mean, I, maybe we don't think that, but I think, you know, I think there's a way in which you can re... Or we think about the Civil War, certainly like mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. Like we think like that, that was an incredible yeah. horror. Yeah. But it had to, and I think this is true actually, that it really had, like you couldn't imagine the emancipation of slaves in any other way, mm-hmm. right? So like it couldn't have been this gradual thing. And it's no, interesting, no. I think it yeah. couldn't have been gradual because I don't think the U.S. had enough money to pay off the slave owners, well, if it, I mean, it just tells you, well, I mean, just and not to get into the, the nitty gritty of uh, 19th century, like the U- U.S. presidents, but like you can tell it couldn't have been gradual because like just you just look what like just look at all the the, the presidents that you've never heard of, <laughs> like before Lincoln. Right. Like the, right. In, in right. But but that, Lincoln got elected. Made it worse. They yeah. made it worse. And Lincoln got yeah. elected as a gradualist who was going to pay the slave. I mean, that's the whole horror of it. Right. That they would pay. Mm-hmm the slave owners for emancipate because they took away their property. Right. And so, yeah, and I, yeah. and, 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 and it is, it's, it's agreeing with, it's agreeing on the philosophical grounds. Yes. Right, I agree. Right. That's property. But, so we need to make it legally right. Yeah. Right. Horrible, but no one is proposed a man. No one at the time ever proposed emancipation without that. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so mm-hmm. I, I, it's interesting. So the, so the, the, it's actually the war, was actually a cheaper way to emancipate the slaves than than it would have been to do it peacefully if they had done it what had the way Lincoln originally wanted to. Yeah, boy, that is a fascinating. Isn't that fascinating? Little, that, that's a fascinating little little twist, little yeah, quilting point. Yeah, on but that. but it, but again, yeah. my, my whole point is just this: that that we look upon back on the Civil War as this necessary mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. when at the time I think it was viewed as this horror mm-hmm, that we're mm-hmm. having to endure, right? And mm-hmm. and and I think. Badu's point is, why couldn't we think of the Russian Revolution and and even Stalinism in the same way, right? Like, I, I mean, it's a, that's a tough pill to swallow, I think. But yeah, but I think that's I think, his, that's what he wants to say. And 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 who knows? I think what how it will be requilted. Isn't the I mean, isn't the issue there? I mean, because we've talked about this, like you know, uh, in our regular lives, and I think also on the podcast, like that. Um, how do you know? How do you know that you are doing, um, I guess, the difference between uh, performing this, like, dialectically, like, interpretive and radical understanding of, like, movement of history versus uh, moralizing abuse in the present for some ambiguous future gain? How do you know the difference between those two? Because that's that Merleau Ponty line that like, well, if all the you know, if we have a better communism than all of this the the abuse here, like that'll be valid. Right. Right. I you know, and, I don't think you know. I think yeah. that's the thing. I think it's always yeah. a there's always this chance that you're really just justifying horrors. Mm. Right? I so I, and I which I think we would say about Merleau Ponty, right? Like I yeah, think yeah, no yeah. one reads Humanism and Terror and thinks, Oh, that's a great book. Like you're like you know, Yeah. You're like, no, it's really not and I think it's because and I, I guess this is the thing, like, is your, is what you're trying to realize a phantasmatic construction that can't really hold up, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I think that's the problem with, with Stalinism and the defense of it is that it was, it was all organized around this fantasy that couldn't 
ever be realized. Like it, it was, mm. it was impossible to realize it in, in any way. So, but you're right. Like I, I don't, I don't think there's a real, I don't think there's a clear answer to that. I think that you're always, and I, I mean, I think that's what political struggle is. It's a struggle over the past and how the past is going to be signified. Mm. That's you know, pretty what, good. I'm, yeah, and like you, well, I mean, is no, I mean, to, to bring it back to the film, like is Nolan's answer that like you need to, um, you need to accept grandfather paradox. Yeah, is that yeah yeah like to accept that you're you're the you make the past right like yeah. and that and that's freedom I think for mm-hmm. Nolan that your ability to make the past is freedom and then you I mean the ultimate end point of that is then you have the ability even I guess he would say you can't destroy the past or you shouldn't destroy the past mm-hmm. because that's trying to to bypass this yeah. act of freedom that you have to re-signify it. I think that's yeah. what he would say. And I, I, I think there's something to that, right? Like there's, mm. there's something. That's a, that's a better, that's definitely a better articulation. Cause then, cause then it's like you, in bypassing the past, you, uh, you give up the necessary, you give up the necessary territory for the, for the future. Right. And right. so like, maybe, right. maybe that, I, and I do like the way that like you, you putting it that way is that like you you're making the like you're making the past i think is like is like a, a, a nice way of putting it and and that it's so that's a better like that's a better articulation of the like if you imagine the climate activist is like the as the villain in, in tenet is it's like what what uh the step that perhaps the film is arguing that we like cannot skip and maybe this is like it's um it's not mutually exclusive, but like what the film is making sure we don't do is that like, it cannot be what we do now cannot be justified by phantasmatic future. Right. By, right. Like, like right, it, it, right. what we have to do, like it has to only be done through kind of through the horror of the present and not the glow of, of, of the future. Uh, which right. I, right. Right. I, it's I, a more which, which I, position. I, yeah. Yeah. That's really yeah. good. I like that a lot. I like that a lot that, that that's really, that's a. I think that's a much more defensible position, and it and it really is articulating the difference between politics and terror, right? Like that's mm. that's the difference, right? Like the one, yeah. like changing the past is acting politically, mm-hmm. whereas trying to save some phantasmatic future is is always going to resort to terror, and that's mm. the that really is the that's maybe the definition of of what produces terror. Mm. It's pretty good. Yeah, we have. A, but we, I, I, here's the problem: we get to the yeah. end, and my my yeah. God, what lesson? Because we talked about so many <laughs> films, but I, I I think the one I'm going to pick out is one that I, I bet almost no one has seen. I okay. would say the lesson is watch following. Oh yeah 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 okay. Because that was a okay. good one. I think we mentioned that that is yeah, is, yeah. is radically underseen. Even though I don't think it's his best film by far, but it's mm-hmm. it's it's got some good. It's got some good things going on. It's got the bones. I mean, like that. I mean, that's that's the you know that's the claim uh, for for his cinema is that like it, it's really all there. And then you know, like this this is um, um, Kara told me like because she was looking up this film too. Like you know that his idea for this movie was like basically the opening shot of like can I make a bullet going backwards right, a whole movie? Right. You know, and like that's uh, the opening shot of Memento. I, sh- I should have finished that sentence. The yeah. Um, and it's 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 really interesting. Like like you do when you watch this when you watch Tenet, like it does feel like you're watching every Nolan movie at once. And so it may appear again because he doesn't let you hear what's going on. It can appear like you're just kind of seeing like 
this recycled thing. Oh, he's done this here. He's done this here. But I, I think, I think what we tried to show is that like the, there's something political and certainly dialectical in the movie that I don't think, despite how time bending interstellar is, I don't think, I I think that's a real linear movie. Yeah. Or at, or at least it's a like, yeah. It's a circle because there's not the literal opening shot, but the next one is uh, McConaughey's daughter saying, I thought you were my ghost. And that right. like, that's true. That ends up being right. Like, it's true. It's true. Completely right. true. And so that gives that film this kind of like uh, it gives it a circular structure. Right. Yeah, this um, is the, yeah, this is the although this is circular, too. That's true. It's um that's true. The there's a really nice timeline I've seen of 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 this film though that shows it in kind of a zigzag pattern. Oh, good. Okay. Because of these, yeah. um, because of the idea of the turnstiles, and you go, go right, back right, and, right, so, right, right, right. So, so it puts right. these, um, it puts these slashes, and that that I think is kind of interesting. It, it 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 this marks time where like I think Interstellar it's, it's a lot more fluid, and then in Dunkirk it's meant to you're you're kind of meant to forget these timelines happening at different right. you're all right. it's like it's like all these meshes of time are occurring simultaneously um whereas this i don't it, like time is very front and center uh and it's a uh, manipulation and it's distortion right. and i think that's that's different um uh and and something that he ha- he hasn't done uh it's it's always been like in the previous films that have done something like this it gets kind of wrapped into the normal linear flow of the film whereas this it's like very much against it right so so i think you could say that this film is like the retroactive film that causes all the other <laughs> films right like i think that's what's going on yes this is it this is <laughs> that's of course i i, I love that so yeah, much yeah this is the yeah watch tenet the first nolan film that's right the first nolan film <laughs> all right over and out ryan over and out Todd.